0: Hello and welcome to The Cocktail Hour with me, your host, Erin Folk. The Cocktail Hour is a place where we celebrate the women in business who are shaking shit up. This week, we are talking to Joni Wickham. Welcome, Joni.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me.
0: Well, finally, right? I know. (laughs) We've been trying to schedule this for a minute.
1: We are busy women.
0: Well, uh, it's on me a little bit because I kept seeing you, begging you to come on, and then I was not following through with my emails to get you scheduled.
1: No problem at all. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) Um, And
0: I will tell you, I actually signed up this past couple weeks for an actual scheduling system. That's amazing. That I don't ever do that to anyone again. Life so I changer. appreciate your patience. <laughs> it's it's a total life changer. I'm like, well, this makes it really easy. Why didn't I do this a long time ago? <laughs> okay, so I'm super excited you're here. I'm pretty sure everybody probably knows who you are, but if they don't know who you are, let's tell them. Okay, cool. Okay. So a native of Raleigh. Rale- you're going to kill me. How do you say it? Rale- How do you say it? Raleigh, Rale- Rale- right? Because yeah. do a lot of people here say Raleigh or Ralla? Rale- can- yeah, yeah. Because there's a Raleigh, Raleigh, Rale- Missouri, yeah. right? So you say. Raleigh. Raleigh, yes. Raleigh. Yep. You've got a cute accent, though. It doesn't well, sound the same when I say well, it. Well, thank you. <laughs> Raleigh, North Carolina. Joni and her indisputable southern accent, oh, there we go, arrived in Kansas City almost 10 years ago after leading initiatives within state and federal government as well as advocacy organizations. In her eight years with the mayor's office, the majority of them spent as chief of staff, Joni has proven herself as an accomplished political strategist, communications expert, and organizational leader. Her front row seat at City Hall shed light on how local government is still very much a man's world, and and this motivated her to create a a first-of-its-kind women's empowerment initiative, which has been implemented in several major cities. An accomplished alumnus of University of Missouri, where she earned her Master's of Arts in Political Science, Joni was the recipient of the 2019 University of Missouri Truman School of Public Affairs Mel Carnahan Public Service Award. Joni has authored a LinkedIn series addressing the unique workplace challenges women face surrounding conflict. Welcome.
1: Thank you, ma'am. So, is that why you moved here? Was to go to Mizzou? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, long time. I'm Mizzou
0: though, like out of everywhere. If you're from North Carolina.
1: Well, long story short, um, I can be bought, but I'm not cheap. Okay. And they gave me the most scholarship money. <laughs> I like that. You said that before, right?
0: <laughs> yeah, I like that. Yeah. So they gave you a big scholarship. Yeah, yeah,
1: they did. How did you? How did they? Like, did you apply for a scholarship there? Yeah, I applied. I was living in North Carolina, and okay. I applied for eight different graduate schools, and oh, wow. I got into the if I I think six the okay. that were geographically farthest away from my home. Okay, so I felt like the universe was telling me something. Right,
0: <laughs> right, yeah, because that's a, it's kind of a kind of a jaunt to North Carolina yeah. from here. Oh yeah, yeah. Where'd you do your undergrad?
1: Uh, I went to a teeny tiny all women's college in Raleigh, mm. North Carolina called Meredith College. Okay. Funny story. I'm walking through Target at Word Parkway uh, on Saturday with my kiddo and I'm wearing a Meredith College sweatshirt that I've had for like 20 years. Right. It, it looks horrible. Uh, <laughs> and this guy walks. It's probably comfortable though, right? It's very comfortable. Yeah, it's got stains all over it. <laughs> and this guy's like walking down the milk aisle or something and he's like, did you go to Meredith College? And he went to a high school in Raleigh. Oh, that's I mean, so funny. That has never happened. It's a tiny yeah. college.
0: Uh, so when you came to Mizzou, you at that point
1: did you think you'd stay in Raleigh your whole life? No, I thought I would get a master's degree or a PhD and go to New York or DC or London oh. or some place like that. And here you are in Kansas, and City. here I am. Yeah. Have you ever lived in any of those places? Uh, I lived in DC okay um, for a short while when I was doing an internship.
0: Okay, which kind of yeah. goes right around here. Yeah, right. Like yeah. It, that's part of probably part of. Like, to be legit at some point, you have to live in D.C.? It
1: helps. Yeah, I was going to (laughs) say,
0: I feel like that would be everybody's first question. Okay, so you came to Mizzou, and then how come you stayed?
1: You know, it just, something magical just happened, and I just made really good friendships and um, loved Columbia. I was living in Columbia and just loved it. Um, Got involved in Missouri politics. Okay. um, Was really... um, Were you into
0: politics from day one?
1: Sort of, kind of. Um, I grew up pretty um, poor, Okay. and so my family, I mean, like, we didn't have money to go to museums and, like, go do stuff like that, so I basically, like, watched a lot of TV with my grandparents, which, mm-hmm. like, the TV vacillated between soap operas, The Bold and the Beautiful, yeah, and, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, and uh, the Did they didn't even have soap
0: operas anymore. I don't even know Hell if they're I on know. during the day anymore. I don't, anymore. Know. Yeah, I don't I'm gonna, know. I'm going to ex- look at that. I think that they're not. Like, there's one that made it still, Maybe. But, maybe. Okay. Oh, and I hope news. it's General Hospital. Was always my favorite. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> I will keep you updated once I do my research.
1: Okay. So, um, yeah, I just spent a lot of evenings and Sunday mornings watching the news with my grandparents because that's all we had to do. We lived on a right. farm. And at some point, you just can't bail that much hay. Uh, right. So, I kind of caught the political bug just, like, watching um, uh, the news.
0: stuff. Do you like that. remember when you were, like... Hmm. This should be something I should maybe do when I grow up.
1: Um kinda, yeah, between watching the news and David Brinkley and Peter Jennings and all those old guys. Right. Um and just experiencing um institutionalized poverty and then racism all around me, you know, growing up. Uh, Cuz North Carolina
0: was tough, yeah. right?
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um I think that combination kind of instilled in me that, you know, if I could figure out how to have a place at the decision-making table, um, I kind of owed it um, to the community around me to try and help make things a bit better for people. Did you grow up with your grandparents? Um, yeah, my my mom had me when she was really young, and um, to her credit, she continued in high school. Um, she didn't drop out. Um, oh, wow. She graduated. But she also worked a lot so that she could make sure that I had things like quality pre-k right um because she knew even then that it can change um someone's trajectory um so when she was between continuing high school and working the jobs that she did my grandparents were really instrumental in um in watching me uh, and teaching me things that i needed to know about life where was dad uh not around much yeah yeah is he around around at all now uh more okay now
0: yeah and um what so your grandparents were farmers? Yeah. So but even watching a lot of news, mom working probably not jobs in politics, am I right oh, in assuming no. that? No, no, no. Yeah. How do how did they still instill in you? Yeah that that's a possibility for you to be the person on TV when there weren't women on TV?
1: Yeah, so I let me uh, correct something that I okay. just said. So one set of my grandparents uh, did some farming, and then the other set of my grandparents, um, my grandma worked at Hardee's like okay. making biscuits, right. that sort of thing. And my grandpa um, worked at um, a manufacturing place in Raleigh that made street sweepers. Okay, And so those, two point, those are not necessarily jobs in politics, right. um, but they Really had strong work ethic, and really? I think that's what it was. Was um, Grandpa
0: a union guy?
1: I don't think there were unions in okay. North Carolina okay. back then. Yeah,
0: I didn't know if the, that got part of it too. Right? Yeah,
1: yeah. Um, so I really learned work ethic and okay. determination from seeing my mom do what she did right. and how she did it, and my grandparents too. Yeah, yeah. You don't have to be like rich and privileged to teach work ethic. Right.
0: Right. And sometimes I I don't know if you've seen this big sweep that I've I sit in the social media space all day long so I've been it's been very interesting to me where a lot of kids that grew up very privileged are actually now pushing back on their parents for not teaching them some of those oh things. that's
1: interesting that's yeah. really interesting
0: so sometimes the grass is always greener right yeah. Yeah. but uh I think worth that th- I kind of grew up same not not privileged at all and in very hard um kind of a hard harder upbringing but I think that Because of that, it it makes me more determined.
1: Yeah. Right? I wouldn't change it. I truly wouldn't.
0: Right. Right. I mean, but... Okay, I'm going to ask you hard questions. I ask hard questions sometimes. Yeah, that's good. But if you had those resources for your kids, would you... Do you think you would change it for your kids?
1: I'm trying to. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I've got a first grader. um, And I have three much older stepkids, too. Um, And I think... My background and some of the experience that I've had, um, number one, have definitely taught me a lot about humility and resiliency. And those are two things that everybody needs more of. Um, So I've kind of tried to pass that down as well. Um, But yeah, absolutely. I want to be able to make sure that my Kid gets to see a museum before she's 16 right. years old, you know, and that so she gets to travel. And don't stuff you feel like, that. like
0: it's a hard line though? Because, yeah, like, it now is. that I have the resources, because I was a single mom for so long, so my kid couldn't do that stuff. Mm-hmm. And now that we have the resources, I told you right before we started this, and it's cool because my kid does not listen to this, but like part of his Christmas present is taking him to New York to see a Broadway show. Mm-hmm. That's not a normal Christmas present for a 13 year old, right?
1: Yeah.
0: I want to do it because I feel like I have those resources. I want to. I want him to have those experiences, but then sometimes I'm like, it's a hard line to where you don't overdo it for them, and still teach the things that we came away with, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. But I think um, what you were saying earlier was that you had kind of explained to them, like, you guys have enough shit, right? Don't need more shit, right? (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know where to put any more things. I hear you. Yeah, Yeah. I get so sick of stepping on little. What are those things called? Um, Shopkins. Oh Oh, God, I hate them. We have Legos in my house. Oh Lord, Yeah. yeah. Um, but so I think you've done the right thing by explaining to them, you don't need more materialistic right. things. We need to go to New York and go to the theater and right. your, your life is going to be more enriched that way. I just, um,
0: I just wonder sometimes, so I'm newly married. Mm-hmm. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> I accidentally planned this trip over our, uh, anniversary, our first anniversary. So Oops. he's very patient with me. Um, I, w- sometimes my husband, cause he's new to the, the, the family unit, is like, we're going a little overboard, and so I wonder sometimes as parents if it's easy to try to make up for what we didn't have. Absolutely, and if we're we're sometimes doing them not as big a favor. Yeah, yeah. It's so?
1: a it's a hard it's a hard line to figure right. out like where to be. That's for sure.
0: How do you straddle that line?
1: Oh man, that's a good question. Um, I try to make sure that when we're doing things together, or um, if she's getting a new toy or something, that it it's teaching her something like i don't want her to have a toy just to have something else to play and then leave on the floor like i want her to learn something from it she's obsessed with junie b jones right now so she's going to get two box sets of junie b jones books they're so cool they are cute cute. yeah Yeah, we're reading those too so i try to do things like that um and we have conversations Mm -hmm. like about gratefulness um you know she's not going to get everything on her list that she did for santa and we're going to have a conversation about you know be grateful for what you got because there's kids that don't have anything.
0: Right. Do yeah. you do the Elf on the Shelf?
1: No, I hate that thing. I hate holidays. I Why? I loathe holidays. I don't know. Probably because I grew up poor and we didn't right. get to do a lot of the things one association. Like all holidays? holidays like you hate the 4th oh, of July? I hate them
0: all. I okay. hate them all.
1: Yeah. Like a normal Tuesday is busy enough to get through. I don't need a <laughs> holiday <laughs> on top of it. <laughs> but, I, you're but, smart not doing the Elf. Oh, yeah, I don't... I mean, she knows what it is. She doesn't seem interested in it. Right. If she seemed interested in it, I would do it. She's like, she's got enough stuff going right. on. Yeah.
0: We started a long time ago, and my daughter came to me this week, and she goes... She goes to a uh, Title I school, so a lot of the kids aren't as privileged as mm-hmm. her. And she... God, she goes, do you think that the elf comes here because we have more money than some of my friends? And I had never thought through... Maybe some families aren't doing the stupid elf, because maybe they... Can't even afford the $25 Elf, yeah. right? Oh, I'm the sure. The Elf was a gift to us, I think, a decade ago. Because my son, it was like when it was brand new years ago. And it's just continued on. Now, actually, my son's the one that moves it for his sister, right? That's cute. We d- Our Elf does nothing special. We're lucky if we remember it. Sometimes we're like, he's probably just too tired to move. He's really old, yeah. you know? Yeah. We have these conversations, but... I didn't even realize that that could be a conversation at school. Yeah. And so we talked through, no, mommies and daddies get to decide if they want someone watching all day in their house. And that's kind of how we spun the story. Yeah, I'm like, their mommies and daddies probably just don't want somebody all day in their house. That's a very big decision for someone. And kind of spun it like, she's like, yeah, why did you guys decide that? And by the end, she was like, why? You know what I mean? But I didn't even think that could have been seen as a privileged thing.
1: Yeah. It's interesting what kids talk about. It's great. It is. It was
0: so. You're smart. Never have done it. (laughs) And if anyone's listening to this with a baby, you're all in on stuff. Don't like a terrible mom right now. (laughs) If listen, if a decade ago you would have told me that I was gonna have to move this elf every single day during the Christmas time, when I'm already so busy, I would have been on. But I think we we're probably one of the first people with an elf, and then you're just, once you're in, you're all in.
1: Yeah. In my defense, we have um, two dogs. We have two very big okay. dogs. And I have um, this black lab mix. We don't know exactly what she's mixed with. Um she would eat the damn thing. There's no It'd be worse doubt the- in my mind she would eat it. There would be drama. My first grader would cry. Right. There'd be stuffing everywhere because this is something we deal with once a week with this dog, right. so
0: yeah. So you have one <laughs> child that's a first grader. Yeah. And then older stepchildren. Yes. How do you co-parent?
1: Are they older like where you're still parenting? Oh, no. Okay. No, no, no. The youngest of the three is 20, so they're, oh, okay. they're out of the house and paying their own bills and living happy, fulfilling lives, which is good. But they were younger when you...
0: When you were first yeah.
1: became stepmom, yeah, the now the now um, twenty year old um, was uh, with us uh, half the time when she was in like I guess that would have been middle schoolish and high school.
0: What was it like to get married? Because this is never something I've experienced. My husband has, but what was it like to get married and be a parent?
1: Um, hard, yeah. really hard. The only thing harder than being a mom is being a stepmom.
0: Oh, I like, think it's the hardest thing oh, in the world. Yeah. In fact, my daughter's stepmom's been on this podcast.
1: Oh, that's cool.
0: We have a really cool relationship, but I tell her all day, like, I, I, don't, I don't know why you signed up for this. <laughs> and not necessarily me, yeah. but I had, like, a pretty strict rule. I know this sounds weird and very, like, uh, very hypocritical, especially since my kids have two different fathers. But, like, I did not date men with children mm-hmm. because I think the stepmom
1: job's hard Uh uh-huh it's really hard yeah yeah Yeah. um I mean it can be hard when you are trying to co-parent but then Mm -hmm. like you get these bonus human beings in your life that are wonderful and funny and fun to be around so yeah three of them yeah three wow yeah
0: so is your first grader just so spoiled
1: by them as well I mean, it's sick. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but in a really good way. Yeah, they're right. all so cute. They are so, so cute together. She's going so much for Christmas. She doesn't need that stupid <laughs> I know. Right? Yeah, yeah, they're all really, really cute together. Oh, that's
0: fun. How'd yeah. you meet your husband?
1: Um, so we uh met each other when I um was working in um, Jeff City. Okay. Um, and we knew each other for a long, long time before we ever um before we ever went out on our first date. Yeah. So we've been married, me think. I have a six-year-old, so we've been married seven years. Okay. Yeah. My due date was nine months and a day after my wedding date. Oh, that's oh, hilarious. Yeah, it was something. <laughs> <laughs> Narrow it down. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, did
0: you know right when you met him, or did it take a while to realize?
1: No, no. Um, I... Because he's a
0: bit older than you. Yeah, he's, tw- be my he's 20
1: years older than me. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. When we first met, this is going to sound much more scandalous than it is. It's fine.
0: We were married. You're only in politics, so it's fine. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, you were married before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: I was married briefly when I was in my like mid-twenties. Okay. Yeah.
0: And he was married to someone else too. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys just were colleagues. Yeah. And then down the line, you both weren't married anymore. Yeah. And then you were like, oh, maybe I should try this. Yeah. Can you talk me through, I'm sorry, I'm going to, I ask a lot of questions. So if you don't want to answer, but can you talk me through the decision of even going on date one with somebody 20 years older than you?
1: Uh, 20 years older than me uh, with three kids. Yeah. Um, it's a lot. Yeah. Like, you got to be in it to win it, I right. think. But I knew him so well and for so long that I knew what I was getting into. Like, it, it was no surprise.
0: What did your dad, or your mom and dad, well, I guess your dad's kind of in your life, but what did what did grandparents say?
1: Well, my stepdad um, basically raised me, and he's, oh, okay. he's 30 years older than my mom. Oh. So when I brought home this dude 20 years older than me, they were like, okay, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> <laughs> pass that down. Yeah. Right. I okay. So maybe my first grader will marry somebody 10 years older than her. Right. They just keep going down. Yeah. So my grandmother is
0: um, six months younger. My step-grandmother is six months younger than my mom. Yeah. So let me ask you this. So it was, it was uh, to this day, they're very, very close, except for now my grandfather's close to 80, mm-hmm. and she's having the time of her life in her mid-60s. Uh-huh. And uh, there's some stuff that, um, there's some health stuff and stuff that yeah. is, is harder for her to deal with because it doesn't make sense for them both to go live in a home. Yep. Right? Ha- Did you think through those types of things?
1: Oh, we've had those conversations. Okay. Yeah, we've definitely had those conversations. Um, he acts a lot younger than me. Okay. Um, Which is the thing for most men, first of all. (laughs) Yes, that is true. That is true. So we always say that, like, I act like a 60 year old woman, or he acts like he's 30. So he's very young at heart. And I also think having a kid, he was 52 when our kid was born. Oh, wow. I think that's kept him young in some ways. Now, don't get me wrong. When we're like up all night with a sick baby, no one's feeling young. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, But we've definitely had those conversations. We really had those conversations. We were trying to figure out if we were going to have a second kid. Yeah, because he was fifty two when the first one was born. Like at some point, you got to look at life and the circle of life and be realistic with each other.
0: Um, and you said no on the second kid. No on the second kid. That's where the dog came in. That's
1: that's why you got all the dogs. That makes
0: sense. That makes sense. We did the the well. It would have been a third kid this year. And when we first started dating, I said, absolutely no more kids. And then my friends started having some like their last babies, I think. And I was like about to hit 40. And I was like, maybe I want one more. And thank God my husband is a lot more patient person than I am. He's like, let's for six months write down every day. Yes or no. At the end of the day, if it's a yes for kid or no for kid day. In six months, and we have five days that we're here. <laughs> that is funny. But That's I'm the funny. type of person on the yes day. I would have just made it happen, and I would have been on. in, and it then so just fine. like learn to live with it, <laughs> right? So, so we're no more as well. So I completely get it. Uh, so you, so I want to circle back to something you said. This sounds scandalous. Did people think it was scandalous, or is that just something that that you think when you tell the story, it sounds scandalous? Or is that something you had to deal with?
1: Oh. Some people probably did. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't
0: something like that affected your relationship. No, no, no Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay, so you both lived in Jeff City at the time? No, 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 no. Um, uh, he uh, lived in in this region, in, in Kansas City region, okay. for um, oh gosh, probably like thirty years. And I okay. moved here in May of twenty eleven when I came to work in the mayor's office. How did you end up in the mayor's office? Um, so. Networking. Okay, it's the short answer. Okay, um, a a friend of a friend, um, uh, called me and asked me to interview for a communications position with then the mayor elect. It would have been like in oh March or April of 2011.
0: Okay, um, who was the mayor elect? Was that Sly James? Yeah. Yeah, Okay, so it was right when he was about to go on. Yeah.
1: Okay. Yeah. Um, so I was um, in Jeff City. Jeff City is not the most. Um, fun place to yeah. live when you're <laughs> right. a young woman without right. kids. <laughs> um, and that's such a political way to answer it. By the way, <laughs> you can tell you're in politics with yeah. that answer. Yep, some things are hard to <laughs> are hard to brush off. Um, so I honestly I wasn't convinced that it was going to be the gig for me. Really? Yeah, I was interviewing at a couple of different places. What did
0: you think at that point? Your dream gig was? I don't think I
1: had one. Okay. Really? Um. I always thought, not so much at that time, but previously, like before I got married the first time, I really thought I was going to end up in a real big city like New York or London or something like that.
0: Um, But I was not... Your accent will be really hard for the New Yorkers all day long. You would get tired of repeating yourself. Girl,
1: I have to go to Boston fairly frequently. Oh, yeah. I I cannot communicate I cannot communicate with the Bostonians (laughs) they look at me like I'm an alien
0: I was recently in New York for a conference and there were these amazing amazing men from um, Ireland and for some reason there was one of them I could not like I literally the girl that was with me I'd have to look at me like what did he just say I couldn't get it and he was like what is wrong with you and I just think his accent had that right tone yeah that I just couldn't get it. So that's funny. I understand the mustache.
1: Yeah, that's yeah. kind of how I was with this Irish guy.
0: Um, he was so- real tall too, like six five. So I don't think it's making it all the way down. Oh, that's funny.
1: That, that's funny. And you're
0: and you're tiny, so maybe it's not making yeah. it all the way up.
1: <laughs> So, I was not initially convinced that, like, I wanted to stay in politics at that okay. point. Um, and I knew nothing about local government in Kansas City. I had been living in Missouri. Yeah. I had friends who represented um, Kansas City in the legislature because I worked at the Capitol, but I really didn't know much about local politics here. Um, but I'm telling you, within five minutes of air- interviewing with then the mayor-elect, I was sold. Really? Yeah. What was it? Uh, his genuineness and authenticity. Um, I appreciated how creative he was it was interesting to me to have an opportunity to work for an elected official, um, that wasn't, um, like overtly political. Right. Um, I had worked for several elected officials in the past. Um, and it was just a different mindset. Right. Um, so that was appealing to me. Um, and I just thought Kansas city had uh, a lot of opportunity.
0: I want to get into when you work there, but, uh, I want to ask this question first. You're not currently in politics.
1: Well, kind of. We do political, strategy as part political our consulting strategies part of political strategies, yeah. But
0: you're not sitting in a political seat right now. Thank God. Do you see yes. yourself going back?
1: No, I love my life now. I love it. I love um, working with Sly in this capacity, having our consulting firm. I love the flexibility. Right. Um you know, for 8 years, it was hard to kind of make my own schedule, and now I have a lot more freedom to do that. that. Um I love being able um, to more or less decide who we work with. Right. And what issues we work on instead of having to deal with every single issue that pops up in a city this size, you know. But you've now become
0: the face. I don't want to say the face. You guys are both the face. You're very equally the face. Yeah. Where your job before was always being behind the scenes. Yeah, That's true. Do you think if you do this for a while, you would ever want to become the face of like a city, like maybe run for mayor?
1: You know that's a good question. Um, If you had asked me five years ago if I would ever run for office, I would have said hell no. Right. And now I'm not so sure.
0: Because that's how you speak on a stage. You you demanded that
1: room. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. Thank you. Thanks. Um, Maybe I might run. I, I just love my life right now so right. much and like having a kid. Like to be honest, man, this podcast is really gonna make me sound like a terrible mom. No. But like just, hey, listen to me. It's fine. <laughs> like the past eight years being in the mayor's office and having the role that I did, I'm telling you, girl, there were like chunks of my kids' life that I was so exhausted and just trying to get through the day right. that I don't remember. And like now I've got more flexibility. I can pick her up from school, I like, we can go to dance class on Mondays. Right. Like you know, it's it's I, I like that. And um You I, like
0: picking up from school. That is my least favorite part of being a mom. Are you in Carline? Yeah. Oh, I yeah. hate Carline.
1: Yeah, Carline's not great, but she loves school so much and yeah. I love seeing her so happy at school. Like that's a big right. big deal for me. Yeah.
0: Um, I just would rather the white caretaker for like 30 more minutes so I can skip Carline and then pick her up from there. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's funny. I, it. I hate, like,
0: nothing. That may be my least favorite part of being a mom yeah. is Carline.
1: <laughs> we all have our things that we like or don't like. Do you know what I hate? What? Oh, I hate having to wash her hair.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, she's about to do it her own. Yeah. you only got like she's one year better. left.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Does she have long hair? Yeah. Well, it's like shoulder length now. Okay. Yeah. So we all have our yeah. mom things that
0: we don't really like. Right. Right. <laughs> right. No, and. You're probably at the point where you're just doing the washing of her hair, right? Yeah. Yeah. So you're you're so close. Yeah. Yeah. But I get it. It's yeah. not. My daughter's always had the same hair as me and it's not fun. And now we do a thing where I have to check it before she gets dressed after shower to make sure we got all the conditioner out. So, yeah. There's some things that you're like, nobody told me this was part of being I know. a mom. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, my girlfriend, and this is not a laughing matter, but she's fine. So I'm going to tell the story. She she recently got diagnosed with epilepsy, but the way that they found out, she had a seizure while she was in Carline, and everybody ended up being fine. But to this wow. day, she's like, I know it was that Carline that said it over I'm like, girl, <laughs> I get it. I get it. And now they live within walking distance. She walks over to school. She actually has to have a driver now because it came on really fast, and they're yeah. trying to figure out some stuff. But she was like, it was that Carline. And I'm like, girl, I get it, Carline. So <laughs> that's funny. Okay, so you interview with the mayor's office. Yes. Yeah. Because. Through networking, but you don't think you're going to take that gig, and then within a few minutes, you're sold. Yeah. But you're not interviewing for the chief of staff gig.
1: No, no, no. Um, I uh, started out in the mayor's office as deputy communications director. Okay. Um, That sounds really important still. Deputy. Uh-huh. Did you get a badge? Something. Uh, no. Oh. No badge. No <laughs> badge. No. Uh, So, I did that. Oh, my gosh. You know, the ti- time is, like, hard for me to pin down right. these days. Um, I'm always like, it was like seven years ago, and they're like, it was like 17, Aaron.
0: I'm so bad at time.
1: I did this job for 17 years. Uh, So I did that job for like a couple years, and then was his director of public affairs for probably a year and a half, I think, and then became chief of staff.
0: Were you chief of staff rolling into that second term? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, Mm -hmm. so kind of during the first term and then second term.
1: Yeah, I want to say, this is really terrible. I can't remember when I became chief of staff that's fine um I think I was chief of staff for like five years okay so
0: yeah uh I guess what I want to focus on is okay so chief of staff is pretty much number two okay so let's talk politics for a second because fun fact about me I hate politics okay or I thought I hated politics let's start there until this last election I don't live in Kansas City I don't live anywhere I live in Shawnee Mm -hmm. like I got so into this last election okay uh I got kind of like, probably what it sounds like, you got it like eight, ten years old, like the political bug, and was so into like figuring out how it worked. And what I didn't, I didn't realize that there were so many people like, like a you that was behind the scenes really helping out with all of the stuff mm-hmm. and a lot of decisions. And sometimes the um, the person that you saw all the time, really there was a whole team behind that person. Yeah. I think I knew there was a team, but I didn't know how involved they were. Um, at what point... Did you feel like you were equipped? Cause like you said, you were a young girl. You came in. You weren't really sure this was even a job you wanted. But did you feel empowered to be number, like the number two person? Because I imagine you were working alongside of people that had been there for a long time.
1: Um, yeah. Um, I think knowing that Sly had the confidence in me to believe himself that I could do it. Right. That was probably it.
0: And what do you think it was about you that gave him that confidence? To give you the confidence?
1: Yeah. Um, well, he's said before um, my experience like working uh, in D.C. and in Jeff City certainly helped in mm-hmm. my role as chief of staff because I knew how um, those two levels of government could impact the city, positive or negative. Right. And I, I had relationships there. Um, and I had a lot of experience with public policy and communications and and working in politics by that time Um, so I think all those things kind of combined to make me a good candidate in his mind what was it like being a woman that high up in there
0: because I know you started the women initiative speak to that a little bit but like I think overall a lot of us think that politics is still very much a man's game
1: yeah Increasingly, thankfully, in my view, that's not the case. Right. But, I mean, the status quo, there's still more men. Eight Uh, years ago. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, in in every level of government, there's still more men um, in politics. Um, It can be very lonely. Um, I was oftentimes the only woman in the room. Um, But I always knew that the mayor had my back and that he had confidence in me a funny story. So there was one time where um, I had to put together a, uh, let's call it a symposium um, with um, the the real estate community. And uh, I spent so much time basically doing um, focus groups almost, or like kind of interviewing people to figure out what their issues were. Mm -hmm. And So that I could use that perspective to try and and help the mayor figure out how we were going to get over this issue that we were having. Um, So, like, the people in this meeting knew that I was involved in this conversation. They knew I was putting together this conversation. And we we show up for this symposium, and there's one of those, like, big tables, you know, and there's these little um, cards with everyone's names on it. I literally did not have a seat at the table. For the event that I had put together, that I had, like, brought all these people in. And so, Sly, uh, in this way that he has, like, really wanted to make a point. It was a teaching moment. So, he goes and he gets a chair, sits it right next to him at the head of the table, which is saying something to all the men in the room. Right. Writes my name, scribbles my name on a card so that I would have a name tag. And, like, I sat Right there beside him in front of all those people who had not even contemplated the thought that perhaps I should be there. Or would be there. That is crazy. Or that the mayor would want me to be there. Right. <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you think that part of why he was such a champion for women is because as a minority himself, he's had some situations where he didn't always feel like like his voice mattered as well?
1: Um, probably. I think mm-hmm. that probably had something to do with it. But also he, right is Right. Right. And he has an extremely strong um, moral compass. Right. Uh, and he I is, like that right is right. Yeah. But there's still
0: people... I sit in this weird, situ, this weird seat um, where a lot of people don't see... Right is right, but a lot of people are going off of their reality, right? So they grew up with a reality... And some of that stuff still doesn't – they've never – like an older white man may have never been a person who didn't feel like his voice mattered in the room. So where right is right, it still may not just even register. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think that's true. I'm wondering if that has helped him in his leadership of making sure everybody felt.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm sure. I'm sure it has helped. And he's also someone who – He is one of the most unselfish leaders I've ever been around, Yeah, and um, his perspective is that if he's given a leadership opportunity, he should use it to help people who maybe don't have that voice. I can remember another time being at a different meeting, and uh, he uh, noticed that it was a room full of older white gentlemen. Um, Not that there's anything wrong with older white gentlemen. No, I've been married to a couple. I like that. <laughs> You're fun. You're way more fun than I, than I even imagined. Um, but anyway, he said, I want you guys to look in this room, look across this room, see who's not here. I'm not coming back until you change it. Oh, wow. Yeah.
0: Did they end up back there? Did they change no, it? No. Not yet? Still waiting? Yeah. You ever get tired of talking about Sly James and just want to talk about Johnny? Oh. No. Uh-uh. Do you think that that's a testimonial to his leadership, though? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. What do you think about this last election? You don't have to say, but how did you think let's ask it this way, because I'm not gonna get you in trouble. Um do you think what was interesting to me about this last election, and maybe this is all how all mayor elections go, I don't know enough about politics. But what was interesting is there weren't I think in big elections like presidential elections, there's very red and blue. In the mayor election, I mean you kinda guess, but nobody declares red or blue, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think that you see American politics going cuz most people that I know go I got a little bit of this red and I got a little bit of this blue and I'm pretty middle of the line on the stuff that that there are like I can see middle of the line on both sides like I'm not the super super extreme blue I'm not the super super extreme red mm-hmm. like I like some stuff from here do you ever see in the bigger politics our parties the way they work changing anytime in the near future
1: Because it feels like they've gotten so extreme. I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. Um, I don't see things changing for the better. I'm a little fearful. I hate to be negative, um, but I'm a little fearful that things are just going to... Get worse. Get a little worse. Yeah. Um, I have a concern that a lot of people... I won't say a lot. Some people, some organizations, some entities, some interest groups um, use social media in a way that's not necessarily beneficial for political discussions and, right. and public discourse. Um, you know, it's one thing to use Twitter to, I don't know, talk about a song or to right. invite people to an event. It's really hard to have a cogent, respectful, comprehensive conversation about healthcare reform. Right. On Twitter. Right. (laughs) Um, So that kind of concerns me a bit. Right.
0: Twitter's an interesting one to me because I sit in social media space where, one, uh, I now believe I can run for president. (laughs) No matter what I did in my (laughs) 20s.
1: Well, number one, yes, you can.
0: (laughs) Because I had some fun 20s. But now at least I know that. But Twitter's been interesting to me just because I went to journalism school, right? Mm -hmm. And watching how Twitter really has... um, for better or worse, cut out the middleman, mm-hmm. right? And I think there's definitely points we can make about it being better, and there's definitely points we can make about it being worse, mm-hmm. right? And uh, I almost feel like it's allowed people to show true colors that we didn't realize were there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, Just overall, the people hiding behind the screens. I know a very high attorney... Who does some major, major cases across the nation? Who has a fake Twitter account and puts out all sorts of nonsense, yeah. right? If anyone were to ever find out that was him, it would be the end of his career. Yeah, but it's truly what I think he believes.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Which is sad because now we get to see these things, but we never get to see the people. Yeah. So it's it's allowed us to show the uh,
1: kind of the bad parts of who we are. I think that's true. Yeah. And so I don't know what the solution is, um, but at the same time, you can use social media a really for voter thing. engagement and get people registered to vote. So it does, yeah. it does cut both ways. I think also sometimes social media can can make people feel like this sounds terrible. I should probably think of a better way to say this, but it's okay. It's, it's fine. Makes, nobody's listening it nobody's it makes people feel. I think that their opinion on something matters when they have no expertise at all.
0: One hundred percent.
1: Like I don't, I don't care what your opinion is on vaccines if you're a barista no no offense to baristas but you haven't done all the research right yes
0: no we actually had I love that you bring up vaccines as your example we actually had Dr. Pam Shaw who runs um at KU Med she runs all the pediatric stuff Mm -hmm. like she's second in charge over there and very highly believes in vaccines and I agree with her and it doesn't matter what I think because I own a social media company but I (laughs) vaccine my kids yes and she really got into, like, listen, if you want to sit down and go over the research, but when you're putting in every mom group out there and you haven't seen the research, it's not helping my job at all. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think that's a great example. I, um, now, I will tell you that I'm going to make a strong prediction, but I think I'm going to be right. I think that our presidential election in 2020 is going to be the most votes that are ever cast.
1: Yeah, it could be.
0: I live in a part of Shawnee where I voted a church, and I've lived there forever, and I've never had to wait until this last one, Charisse David's one. Mm -hmm. That's the first time I've ever had to wait in a line there, and I actually had to come back because I didn't have time to wait because I think it has gotten people so engaged. Yeah. Right? Now, a big part of my neighborhood is it's mostly Hispanic, Mm -hmm. and um, I think that it's really engaged a population that wasn't so uh, engaged in politics before. Mm Mm-hmm. Cause Sharice Davids won on that Hispanic vote, like she did, mm-hmm. and so in forty five percent every year the Hispanic population grows. Yep, so that's right. Twenty twenty should be interesting. It's gonna right? gonna be
1: really interesting. <laughs> oh Lord! It's
0: funny to me though, because even my seven year old comes home and has an opinion on on, and I don't remember having an opinion on our president at seven. Yeah. But that's... they talk about it at school in the second grade. Yeah. So it's been interesting, so when you're ready i'm gonna I'll run your social media, okay, when you're ready to okay, go, <laughs> to go all in so now you have so you spent eight years in the mayor's office um and then being in politics is a weird job for me. I don't know. do you know Chelsea Cheney? She's over on the Kansas side, uh-huh. and she's a oh, I'm not even gonna say whose person because I'm gonna get the name wrong, but essentially she's for the Kansas side. She's like the person that kind of runs everything here while he's in D.C., right? Mm -hmm. Um, But she knows her job ends in two years, right? Mm -hmm. Like, that's a weird thing to know your job's ending. Yeah. And like, what's the next step? So when did you decide this is the next step? We're going to go in. We're going to stay together. Because I don't think that happens a lot, right? No, it does not. Right.
1: Yeah. Typically a chief of staff and a... And an elected official were, like, so ready to
0: get away from each get other.
1: Get away from each other, <laughs> yeah.
0: And, yeah. But you guys were like, no, we're going all <laughs> in on a business venture. When when did you kind of make start having those conversations and decide to do it?
1: Um, it was after, it was probably a month or two after um, the airport okay. election, which was in November 2017. And um, we had worked together for a while doing lots of different things. But that election in particular was brutal. Right. Um, I mean, he was out speaking every night, multiple times a night. When we did our initial polling, like 26% of voters agreed that we needed a new terminal. And we won with 76% of the vote, like unheard of. Um, It was brutal. It felt like a war at times. And like when you're in the trenches like that with somebody, um, it really created um, a bond why do you um, think it felt like
0: a war? Why do you say that?
1: Well, I mean, you just I think you just had to be there. Right. Like um it's not like there wasn't anything else in the city going on, so you've got everything else that comes with helping run a big city like right. Kansas City. And then we had we knew there was so much work that had to be done because of that initial polling. Um and it, it just it was an insane year. It was about a year long adventure. And um, on top of the previous years that we had been working together, that on top of it just kind of solidified that we work well together. Right, um, We're complimentary. We still liked each other. Uh, we both like to work really hard. We're yeah. very driven people. It's
0: so hard to work with somebody when your work ethic is different. Absolutely. Right.
1: Yeah. And I think that's a, a big um, a big point. Um, and we kind of work the same way in yeah, a lot of right. ways um so after that election um it was probably like during the christmas break we started thinking about because it would have been like close to 2018 and yeah to your point you have an expiration date with term limits um and we just kind of like kicking around the idea like maybe we should figure out how to work together right um maybe a consulting firm would be fun and so
0: you guys have been doing it since the day that you left office or did you um, take some take a break
1: he took um, some time and um, went on a family vacation. Okay. Um, and we launched our firm on August 21st.
0: Okay. So that must have been right after we met because, or right before we met, because I met you at Central Exchange. Yes. And that was one of your first speaking things, I yeah, think, Yeah, it together. was the same day. It was
1: the 21st. Oh, it was the 21st. Yeah. Okay. I was like, that was yeah. right in August somewhere. It was part of our little, like, launch tour thing. Right. Yeah. Um, and to be really honest,
0: obviously, I knew who Sly James was, right? Because mm-hmm. you can't live in the city. But I didn't know who you were. Mm-hmm. And I was so impressed with you with that. Thank you. Um, because I think that I, I think I was going to go in and like, I was definitely excited to see Sly James. That's actually the first time I've ever seen him speak. Okay. Was there, um, which is weird because I've just been so heads down in my business, right? Um, But, and that's why I signed up. And then I was so blown away with how you, again, demanded that room, like commanded the room. And I think that, and I was, obviously, I knew a lot of women there. A lot of them kind of came away with that.
1: Oh, that is really kind. Yeah. So I
0: Well, and it's just interesting because I think a lot of times to be number two, you don't have that skill set, right? You don't get to lean into that skill set as maybe a better way to do that. Yeah. So... While you were in, this is just for my own knowledge because I didn't know, while you were in that number two spot forever in the mayor's office, were you able to work on those types of skills on your public speaking and all of that? Or was that something that you were craving to do?
1: Um, I've always kind of done a lot of it. Okay. Um, like I would... Um I've always done a lot of public speaking. Okay. And when I was at the Capitol, I would um, speak at committee hearings and things like that. And um, I've spoken at at press conferences before. So it's stuff that I have done um, in the past. Um, When you're working in an elected official's office and when you have someone that is a natural at communicating, like Sly is. Yeah. Like. You just put him on camera every day of the week. Right. He's just that good. Right. <laughs> and people, you know, you were just saying people like to hear him. Right. Um, he's very articulate. He has interesting stories. Um, he's a good speaker. He's relatable. Yeah, he's very relatable. Mm-hmm. Um, so I didn't have to do much of it. Yeah. You know? So Because he was just so good at it.
0: So you're excited to get to do that now?
1: Yeah, it's fun. You like it? It really is fun. Yeah. It's
0: probably my favorite part of, of my business is yeah. when I get to speak in front of people. Yeah, it's fun. But I right? was
1: in San Francisco last week and we went to a um, women's leadership conference. Um, and I spoke um I, the title of my presentation is the thin line between cupcake and bitch. Yeah. <laughs> which, I've seen it. I yes, thought it was good. I have a bookmark for you. Um, oh. which is also gonna be the title of my book that's coming out in wow. summer. Yeah.
0: Okay, so it's summer twenty twenty. Uh huh. Okay. So we'll make sure let us know so we can post it for cool. for our listeners. Okay. Um, let's talk about that. I will tell you, I have had a hell of a time the past three years. Uh, I'm working on and I'm developing my leadership skills, but I very much think I function like a man in a lot of stuff, and I do see that sometimes it has to be delivered softer, because I'm not a man. And it's been a very hard thing to learn. First I pushed back against it, right? And then I think that I finally got to the point where I cannot control how people understand the communication. So maybe it's my delivery, I'm the common factor here. I, I still believe that if I was a man, it wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> yeah. But it is, because I'm not. What? How do you feel that you navigated that, so much to the point that you're going to write a book called The Thin Line Between Cupcake and Bitch? And uh, have you bought that URL yet? Because you should.
1: Oh, that's a good point. Before yeah. we get off
0: here and people hear
1: it on this. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a hard thing to figure out. Right. And I think a lot of women, regardless of what sector you're in, uh, deal with it. Um, for me, I just came to the realization. For the longest time, I was real pissy about it. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Me too, man. It's just it's not right. This stuff's happening to me just because I'm a woman, I'm a petite woman at that. I've got a Southern accent. I was obsessed for a long time with people thinking I was right. stupid because I had a Southern accent. Right. I kind of got over that. Now. You think that was your own insecurity? Oh hell yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but the more I worked in political communication and talked to other people about things like delivery, speech cadence, executive presence, the more I started thinking to myself, well, maybe I should take my own advice. Right. Like, Isn't that weird? Yeah. You do yeah. That, yes. Yes. I do that too. <laughs> This is some brilliant shit I'm saying. I should be doing this myself. <laughs> right. No, yeah, me too. No, yeah. I do the same thing. <laughs> um, but I just kind of came to the realization that being bitter and pissy about it wasn't enough. Like mm-hmm. if I wanted to be um, taken seriously and if I wanted my message to be retained and – that sort of thing that maybe I needed to figure out how to uh communicate with whoever I was communicate better with uh whoever I was talking to at the moment. Whether so, that be a man or a woman or whatever.
0: What's give me one tip that you implemented that became part of like that regime?
1: Um, like public speaking or just like in a negotiation. What's giving an environment. Yeah.
0: So like say well, let's, let's use the tip so I can get better at this. Uh, let's say, like, with an employee. Like, if you have to be, like, have a crucial conversation with an employee. How um, you soften that or use that to where you don't come off as a as a bitch, but rather a cupcake. Yeah. But get them to do what you need.
1: Yeah. Um, I think when you're having difficult conversations with anybody, it's helpful to lead with something positive. Right. Like, if I needed to deliver some bad news to you or if I needed to tell you that you needed to take, corrective measures on something, um, I think it would be more effective for me to say, you know, Lauren, you are doing such a great job at XYZ, and I think if you did ABC, you could be even better at XYZ. You know, something like that. Right, right. Like leading with a positive instead of walking in and being like, you are screwing this up five ways to Sunday. (laughs) Right,
0: right. And then using, which, again, men don't have to lead with positive, but we're not men. Yeah. Right? Is that just where you kind of got to? You're just not a man, so you got to figure it out?
1: Well, I think... Whether you're a man or a woman, there are ways that you can more effectively communicate your message. Right. And I think sometimes those ways might be different for men and women. So I don't, I don't want people to think that men don't have to do anything different to be effective communicators. Right. I just think sometimes there's different tools. Yeah.
0: Okay. That's, that's, that's a really good point. I wasn't saying that. No. That good
1: point. Um, how
0: do you – and I'm sure this is something you just learned after all your years in politics. But how hard is it when you're leaving a political space – to not be very vocal about who you think should be your predecessor and not be bitter if that person doesn't become your predecessor
1: um it ain't easy right um because you do all this work right yes yeah. yeah you do a lot of work your work tail off Um, and you don't want to see the things that you worked on go backwards, that's for sure.
0: Because, like, in business, you get the choice a lot of times, right? If you own the business. If you put all the type of work in, then you get to decide who buys it. And that doesn't mean it gets to stay, but the same. But
1: you get a a little bit more control, it feels like. Yeah. Um, Interesting story. Um, The mayor uh, had a um, gentleman who was the lead of the security detail, and he had a massive heart attack in July at age 53 and died. Oh, wow. Um, and he had just told me right before his death um, that in positions like these, and he was talking about, like, Mayor, Chief of Staff, um, he's and this is almost a direct quote. I'll never forget it. He said, you can only do... Uh, You can only do so much with the time that you have. Right. And I thought it was interesting that he was the person that said that to me. And then he died like three weeks later. Oh, wow. Um, So that's just kind of my perspective. You know, we had eight years. We busted our asses working so hard every single day for eight years. Right. Um, And now I've got more control over my life. I love what I'm doing for a living. I love my business partner. I love that I get to spend time with my family and that I get to have happy hours with my husband more often. Like Life is good. Um,
0: I have a, just a random story about the security detail, mayor security detail now. Okay. So our current mayor did our ribbon cutting Uh and we had a bunch of balloons outside. Uh You know after ribbon cutting, people started head inside and the mayor was out talking to people before he came in and one of the balloons popped and the security detail jumped on him because we're right here by the Grand Slam so we all thought it was a shot at first and then it wasn't it was just a balloon but I've never seen somebody move so fast until that security that's their job job. (laughs) I was like you're really good at your job that's exactly what I told him but I was like because I think like the rest of us were just like oh what's going on and he he Right away, do what to do. That's so funny. <laughs> That's his job. That, that That's their me skill set. About, yeah. <laughs> He was very good. So yeah. uh, he's busy now, but in eight years, if anybody needs a security. <laughs> or four years. It's four years, and then you rerun. Yeah. Okay, 48 years. However, that works. All right, uh, Last, right. We're running up on time here. So w- give me one tip. If there's a... Um, a young woman or a young listener who wants to go into politics, but is a little bit like what does that journey look like as, as a woman, right? Mm-hmm. Give one tip of something tactical she could do to really start to implement um, so she can follow
1: a path like yours. I think I'm going to answer your question. Yeah. I'm going to go around a little do bit. It. To do it. I think the one thing in my experience that keeps women from running for office is imposter syndrome. Oh, yeah. And it's very rare for me to hear a dude contemplating running for office saying, I don't think I'm good enough or I don't think I can do it. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'm smart enough. I hear it all the time from women and it makes me, oh my gosh, I, I, it's infuriating. Yeah. Um, so my advice to any woman contemplating run, running for office is to repeat after me to the mirror, looking at yourself, I am enough, I am enough, I am enough, I, I can like do it. it um because imposter syndrome is um destructive. Yeah. And it tends to show up in places that you don't even uh you you can't even contemplate or Wait. predict. Um so I think imposter syndrome and overcoming it is the is the biggest thing for women. Did you deal with it? Yeah. Still do. Really? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of us do. Yeah, I agree. I still do, too. But you come off very confident. So Thank you. I think it would surprise a lot of, especially, I say younger women just because they're the ones that really reach out to me a lot because it's through social, right? But I think it surprises people a lot of times how people at your level still have to deal with it and still Yeah, make we're all changes. human. Right.
1: Um, and particularly when you're doing new things. Like writing a book. I've never written a book before. Right. I remember thinking to myself, I don't know if I can write a book. And I was like, damn it, yes, I can. Yes, you can. <laughs> I know a lot of people that wrote a
0: book. I promise you, you can write a book. <laughs> right. I did just send, uh, this is totally off topic, but I did go to a, uh, see a speaker at a conference. I was at New York and he saw, said, I had to write a book. Someone told me I had to write a book. So he pulled out the tiniest little, like it was tiny and tiny. The pages it was tiny in size like a cocktail book and he's or like and i had to send this out instead of my business card and tell everybody i wrote a book so I can <laughs> check that off and i was like i may do that one that's funny i really it's like funny. that well thank you so much for coming this on this has been a blast oh this is so great people can follow you along at linkedin yep correct yep. okay well that is it for this week's cocktail hour do you want to hear from your favorite local businesswoman? do you know a woman in business who has shaken shit up send your recommendations to heygirl at cocktailhourpodcast.com make sure you subscribe and share our podcast with your friends we share our stories to motivate and inspire you, so spread the love around. Until next time, I'm Erin Folt. Keep your class and your class raised, and we'll see you at the next cocktail hour and follow Joe. on the Thank you.